it almost it, it almost feels like this committee went, we got to get a couple on the occult list. Go yeah. listen, to, look for some. Oh, here's an album about some coven. Let's try this one. Welcome back to another episode, asterisk, hang on, I'll explain that in just a moment, of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. My name is Will, and I'm flying solo today as I bring you a montage of clips uh, from shows we did throughout the 2023, that's the year, that sounds weird, 2023, 2023, there you go, that's like how, that's how normal humans speak. Uh, but we often talk about uh, 1980s music. It's huge. It was uh, hugely impactful on our y young lives and continues to influence how we feel and think about the world and certainly about current music uh, in particular. Uh, so what we did is we looked back at four episodes in particular that we in which we talked about uh, this music from a you know certain angle. And look, if, you, if you're new to our show, and this will give you a little flavor and you can track down these full episodes if you want. And I'll tell you what they are in just a moment. But our show just more than just looks back at things for the sake of nostalgia. Now, there's plenty of podcasts that do that. And there's many that in particular do that with regard to the 1980s. But our show in particular, we talk about how the, the th this thing from this decade, you know, 40 years ago, continues to influence media today or our and or I should say our lives today. You know, and if you listen to these full episodes, you'll get, you'll understand exactly what that is, but I'll tell you what they are and then track them down. If you want to hear the, you know, the, some of the more deeper uh, conversations, although still fun uh, about these different topics, but one of them is secret cover songs. We talked about many songs, hit songs throughout the 1980s that were actually covers of earlier songs. And I'm, I bet you, I guarantee this, you don't know at least one but you probably don't know a good deal more than just one that you didn't know that they were cover songs. We talked about the love lessons we learned from songs throughout the 1980s, how they influenced our you know, perspective on love as we grew older and, and today. Uh, we talked about the Filthy 15. Now we went to this in-depth conversation about what happened that led to the, this uh, list this con of controversial songs from the 1980s. And we also talked about you know, sort of how that uh, era in the 1980s in that perspective on music, how it continues to influence music today and where we're at. But we talked about songs off that list. We talked, and we, we talked about uh, many songs that were just considered controversial in the 1980s or looking back now, we realized that they were controversial in a sense. And, and the question, how the hell did some of these songs get on the radio? Anyway, there's a, we, we, for this particular episode you're about to listen to, we took some of our conversations about these different songs, strung them all together from diff these different episodes in uh, a very clever order, a very dramatic and powerful order, fun order, uh, and bring them to you today. If you'd like to, check out uh, the episodes in full. We're really proud of our uh, show, and we'll be back in February uh, with some brand new uh, episodes and conversations, including uh, many about music, I'm sure. So in the meantime, enjoy. All right. I, I didn't Since. know that either. <laughs> here is another one here. Which of these is a cover? Mm -hmm. Tainted Love by Soft Cell from 1981 or Ooh. Just Can't Get Enough by Depeche Mode mm. from 1981? Tainted Love, I think. But what do you think, John? I'm trying to go through both of them in my head. Each uh -huh. time it's almost like, can I hear in my head a reorchestration or a new arrangement of this? Right. Or is right. the way it is the only way I can hear it? Yeah, the mm -hmm. like, Tainted Love, I yeah. could... 
Good. Well, what were you saying? I was saying the curious thing about these is they're both synthesized more like synthesizer heavy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for me, it almost clouds my ability to hear it another way. Sure. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, Tainted Love is so attached to Soft Cell that I would be super surprised to learn that it was a cover, but okay. like I can't hear the other one as being a cover. Honestly, mm. I can't hear, okay. just can't get enough. Gotcha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm leaning toward Soft Cell. Are you? Okay. And you are as well, Kat, right? Tainted oh, Love. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, Tainted yeah. Love. All right, I'm here is the correct answer. This is a nice. superior song. This is much better than Soft Cell. Nice. I demand a... Da, da. Okay. We, we reasoned it out, Kat. Yeah. We did. We did. Yeah, yes. A little so, bit of gut, a little bit of reason. Turns out Tainted Love is a song composed by Ed Cobb, formerly of the American group The Four Preps. Mm-hmm. which was originally recorded by Gloria Jones in 1964 and then again in 1976. Both wow. times, however, the song failed to chart. Hmm. Of course, it then later attained worldwide fame after being covered and reworked by the English synth-pop duo Soft Cell in 1981, mm-hmm. and it's since been covered by a number of other artists. You know, the Soft mm-hmm. Cell version, I've almost heard it too much now, especially at weddings and stuff. I'm like, I'm just done with this. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like Toto's Africa. I'm done with that song. Oh, I never need to hear that song. I don't know again. that I could ever be done with that one. Oh, I like I, that too much. Every eighties, like play eighties hits. And it's like Africa, Africa, Africa. I, enough with the Africa. There were other songs in the world. Okay. Here's tub thumb, but no, quit it. It's not even the eighties. You idiot. I know. It's just, uh, they you, come up you, all the you, time. Jim. That was a judgment on you. Uh, it was fine. a major hit in the U.S. during the second British invasion. The song mm-hmm. spent a then record 43 weeks on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, peaking at number eight. Uh, in 2010, DJ Ian Frank DeWurst, I'm going to say, recalled he put Tainted Love on when Mark Almond, the duo's singer who worked as a cloakroom guy, came mm-hmm. to ask if it was Jones's recording before asking to tape it. Sometime mm-hmm. after, Soft Cell began performing the song live in their set list. So okay. I guess this DJ is uh, claiming to uh, have inspired them to uh, cover it. Oh, uh, okay. gotcha. Number two, Sheena Easton. Now, oh, this is the other reason it came up that recently, because we talked about oh, this. Okay. Sugar yes. Walls. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even yeah. just saying that, I feel, oh, Sugar Walls. <laughs> Look, I'm a man. I'm a heterosexual man. I love women. I am attracted to women. Mm-hmm. This, is, this Sugar Walls really puts me off of it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It's just something really off-putting about it. That's really funny. <laughs> w- w- what about it? Is it because of how it just, like, like, like it just, it makes it so animalistic and so almost formulaic. Like it's, there's no, um, there's almost no romance in it. It's like, here's how the uh, ge- geometrics works. Here's the shapes involved. Here's what's going to happen, right? I, I don't know. It's for me, it's weird. It's like, I'm a, 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 it's like I'm experiencing something in two different ways at the same time. One, I get the allegory is supposed to be to, you know, to a, mm-hmm. according to Wikipedia, it's the euphemism for the lining of a vagina. Right. It's, in one sense, it's that, but in the other sense, mm-hmm. the literal sugar walls, I picture in my mind walls just <laughs> dripping down with listening sugar. <laughs> and those two things right. are- and you know the I metaphor, feel, and now they're blurred. Yes. <laughs> and it's almost like I lean more on the literal one. Like if I was just more to 
think of it as a euphemism and getting get into that. But I think probably it was, is I heard this when I was young enough to not necessarily know what it was about, but think mm. maybe it is sugar walls and that's gross. <laughs> like I don't want, I love sugar. Yeah. I like the structure of a home because it keeps the roof over my head. I don't want the walls to be covered with it. What's this? It's not the witch's cottage for Gretel Hansel and Gretel, right? Willy Wonka, your internal decorator? It's just like, sugar, everything sugar. Sugar, sugar, sugar. The offending lines are blood races to your private spots. Let me know, Mm -hmm. lets me know there's a fire. You can fight passion when passion is hot. Temperatures rise inside my sugar walls. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> yeah, leave very little to the imagination when you say private yep. spots earlier in the song. Yeah, it's yeah, the second yeah. single from Sheena Easton's 1984 album, A Private Heaven. It spent 16 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 and peaked at number nine. And although wow. it was written by Prince, it was credited to his mm-hmm. pseudonym, Alexander Nevermind. <laughs> <laughs> now, even though the music video did not contain any racy images... Some broadcasters mm-hmm. refuse to show the video simply because of the lyrics. Because of the lyrics. Interesting. Mm. Now, what mm-hmm. I think is, <laughs> if I were Sheena Easton, yes, who, there's an interesting story about Sheena Easton and Prince going on a, on a date, first date, which is just, right? You remember that story? I do. I it's remember just, hearing that story. It's crazy. <laughs> but uh, I don't know how I'd feel about this, knowing that the, the, the origin of the song is that uh, Sheena Easton um, is introduced to Prince after she approaches an engineer that they both have in common, Dan, Dan, uh, David Leonard. Easton asks Leonard, hey, can you ask Prince if he'd want to work with me on a song? Because she's already mm-hmm. been an established singer at that point. And he says yes, and he comes up with trigger walls. Like what is, in his Whoa. mind, what is the connective, you know? <laughs> what does that mean? Oh. Yeah, where so are you Sheena going with that? Sheena Easton, I know. I, I don't know. Do you think maybe they didn't want to air the music video because, you know, if the elderly turn on closed captioning, they might yeah. catch a case of oh. the vapors and go, oh my, oh, I just read what that young lady mm-hmm. was saying. Maybe. <laughs> or maybe some elderly woman would be getting uh, pregnant in, uh, in the senior home. <laughs> Could be. I, I came across a quote in one of these papers that I wrote that I thought was interesting too, along the lines of what you're saying, Kat, is that this... Uh, mm-hmm. Yip Harburg, who I, I wasn't familiar with that name, but he's uh, he wrote somewhere over the rainbow among his other con- contributions to oh, uh, American music. Yeah. He said, "Quote: Words make you think, mm-hmm. music makes you feel, but a song makes you feel thoughts." Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The music almost opens that. us up emotionally, and then the words are able to sort mm-hmm. of you know draft the, emo- the, the, mm-hmm. the music and come in. I like that. So mm-hmm. let's talk about some of our songs. And I found okay. something out really neat about the state of lyrics today mm-hmm. as compared to the 1980s that I'll share with you a little bit later. Oh, cool. All right, right. I'm going to go first here. I'm going to tell you, look, this is no particular okay. order, really. This is the mm-hmm. order that I wrote them in. And I, I started off with a much longer list and I just started scrapping ones because two things. One, if I could keep it in the 80s uh-huh. and not break any rules so John wouldn't give me shit, I did that. Too late. Two, the second thing is some songs I realized I included with just about a feeling that it gave me about love, but I couldn't extract a lesson mm. from it. There was no articulable, hmm. this is something I would apply to my life mm-hmm. or change my worldview on love. All right. You know, mm-hmm. my first one is, and you're going to learn, you're going to notice a trend at some point. Okay. Here, is tell her about it. Billy Joel. Okay. 1983. Oh, yeah. We know Kat's not going to tell us anything uh-huh. about the songs, and that's fine. But I'm going to tell you that <laughs> not only was it written and performed by Billy Joel from uh, his album Innocent Man, it, uh-huh. it was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 for a week in, in 1983, replacing Maniac by Michael mm-hmm. Cimbello. Oh. And of course, it was ultimately certified gold uh-huh. like many uh-huh. of his uh, songs. Okay, here is, uh, I'm going to give you a lyric because this, from a lot of these songs, many okay. of the sort of words spoke to me, but sometimes there's just like one little lyric uh-huh. will epitomize sort of what I extracted from it as a lesson. 
Okay. Uh, the lyric, listen, oh, and there's a few lyrics actually. Wait, did I have this? All right. <laughs> this is a lot of lyrics for one song. Huh. <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, okay. Here you go. Uh, listen, boy, I don't want to, I don't want you to, I don't, I'm going to try to sing without singing. That's the tricky part. Listen, boy, I don't want you to let, I don't want to see you let a good thing slip away. You know, I don't like watching anybody make the same mistakes I made. All right. So now ready. I'm open because at the time the song came out, I was like 12, 13 uh, years old. And okay. I, Mm-hmm. Billy Joel at that point had become one of my favorite musicians. And ultimately you're going to learn based yeah, on my music list yeah. that he really did become like an Obi-Wan Kenobi, like a force ghost for me. Like, you well, know, we were talking about fictional role models last week, John and I, when Cat mm-hmm. was, was gone. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk about a, a non-fictional role model was Billy Joel. So many lessons I took wow. from his music. Now, mm-hmm. some of them were bad and I learned better later uh-huh. on <laughs> because he was going, you know, through, oh, he had gone uh-huh. through a divorce. And <laughs> so some of that affected my, <laughs> you don't listen to Captain Jack and come away with yeah. good messages. And then of course, then he says the most important thing, tell her about it, tell her everything you feel, give her every reason to accept that you're for real. Tell her about it, tell mm-hmm. her all your crazy dreams, let her know you need her, let her know how much she means. Now I have a specific memory, okay. seventh or eighth grade on my bike, my BMX bike in Jersey city. Mm. My friend, my yeah. best friend at the time, Mark and I are biking around a factory on Ravine Avenue, which we, th- we treated as the death star. I think it was an abandoned factory, but it was a death star. It had like a alley that cut like through the middle of the building. So that was the trench run. Oh, nice. And I remember doing this and suddenly, and I was remembering that earlier, I don't know, that day, that week, my parents had said, we're going to move away Uh to the suburbs out of the city. And I was really devastated because I had lived in Jersey city my whole life. And there was a girl I liked and I was, had this song Mm -hmm. going on my head. And I remember having this sort of epiphany at this, you know, just before we were about to, you know, fire the photon torpedoes stay on target, stay on target <laughs> that I had to tell this girl. I liked how I felt, you know, Billy was saying, mm. that's what you need to do. If you want yeah. her to, you know, reciprocate, if you want her to, you know, yeah. understand uh, what's the word. I don't know. You felt like the finality of it. It was like, Oh, oh the deadline of chance, moving. Yeah. Right? That, that became a thing. Yeah. <laughs> so this had a very, a very time critical, like this, mm-hmm. this is something yeah. that affected yeah. you at a specific point in time. Like, uh, it's not just overall your attitudes toward relationships, but actually at this moment it hit you. It, yeah. It was like a, yes. Mm. I want to say it was like a commandment, but it, yeah, it was clear mm. to me what I had to do <laughs> because Billy said I had to do it, which was to be open and share my feelings, you know, it, which is interesting because it was counter to what other men in my life had told me at this point, which was don't tell any woman mm-hmm. anything about mm-hmm. yourself because they will use it against you eventually. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say something like that. It almost like that. Yeah. Play it cool. You know? Yeah. Like don't, don't give anything away. Uh, don't be vulnerable. Yeah, that would have been to be yeah, cool. Yeah. This was, I was almost told this to be safe, you know, to avoid a broken heart. Okay. So I, and yeah. I did live my life at, for, for a period of my life like that. Oh. Anyway, it turns out my parents, okay. you know, probably mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. that day or the next day mm-hmm. were like, well, yeah, we're not moving. We were just talking and oh, no. completely <laughs> upended this whole emotional upheaval I had for, you know, 24 <laughs> hours. I didn't wind up telling this girl about, about it at all because I no. totally chickened out. You didn't. Tell you about chickened it. out. You didn't. You, no. you got to oh, no. get out of jail free card no. and spent it right away. I found a way of expressing how I felt, but literally it was probably if you like me, check yes or no Aww. kind of thing because we were dating, you know, for like a month. No. Which okay. just meant, you know, uh, we held hands every now and then or something. All right. How about uh, this one? Uh, 1980s song, a 1980s, a 1980s song by The Vapors. Yeah. This 
song by the English band, uh, The Vapors, uh, from their 1980 album, uh, New Clear Days, peaked at number 36 on the Billboard Hot 100. Of course, at the time, we thought very little of it, except mm -hmm. what we thought the song was about, or at least what some people speculated the song was about. I learned in the last couple of years okay. <laughs> what mm. the, uh, the, uh, what that could be a euphemism for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Mm -hmm. Well, having sex or having an orgasm, right? They were no longer. Never knew that. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I don't know this song very well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought the direction you were going was there was something culturally insensitive uh, about yes. the Japanese people. I don't yes. know the lyrics right. well enough to to defend it like I did Gordon. But John, I, I uh, ended that one. Stop bringing it up. <laughs> I don't like to defend him like I defended statutory rape. I, I never defended. <laughs> Holy crap. By the transitive property. That's why I just oh. stop talking about that song. Oh no. <laughs> but yes, John, today you're right. Today we look back and say this is some form of cultural appropriation, you know, talking right. about, mm -hmm. and they have that, you know, sort of Asian sounding, you know, uh, inter intervals at the beginning. Right. Yeah. 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 The cat yeah. is now appropriating on our show. I, I, I do. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So today that would be considered, yes, was controversial maybe for that reason. But back then yeah. it was controversial for this other reason because we were race. Everybody was a racist in the 1980s. Right. That folks thought that turning Japanese referred to the expression on your face when you were climaxing. Yeah. Right. Yes. Mm. Now, I to had support no clue this, about that at the time. To support no this clue. notion, there are lyrics in the song. Now, the band says this isn't true. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, uh, in, in a VH1 uh, True Spin special, the Vapors explained that it's a love song about someone who lost their girlfriend and was going slowly crazy. According to songwriter mm -hmm. David Fenton, quote, turning Japanese is all about the cliches and about angst and youth and turning into something you didn't expect, end quote. And I read somewhere uh -huh. else that he was like, in, that dealing yeah. with loss or, de <laughs> you know, sadness, depression, heartache, you go through this experience where you feel like you're not yourself anymore. Okay, so he picked a, a culture very different from... His own. Yeah. <laughs> with regard to the particular line, turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese. He said he woke up at 4 a.m. with that line in his head and decided to use it, even though it didn't make any sense. Sounds like a reach. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like someone trying to over-explain something. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. You know it's true because it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing a blue shirt. It was 4 a.m. I just had a pizza for dinner. I remember I had indigestion. <laughs> But unlike Holly Johnson and Paul Rutherford from Frankie Goes to Hollywood, maybe they're doing the opposite, right? So maybe it really is about masturbation or whatever. Right. Because yeah. there's lyrics, and they're trying to <laughs> make it this other thing, because there's lyrics that are weird in this song that always struck me uh -huh. as odd that some people argue lean towards that other direction, including, mm -hmm. uh, so the story is, I have your picture. <laughs> I'm looking at your picture. Yes. Of this mm -hmm. girl I love. Yeah. Yep. Already? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's kind of like mm -hmm. me with the Madonna's uh, album. With, the, yeah. The toy yep. belt. Yes, right. <laughs> um, and this other one, this line in particular that always struck me as odd. I want a doctor to take your picture so I can look at you from inside as well. Oh, yeah. That's, now, um, some whoa. folks suggest, well, this is kind of maybe a more graphic sexual image, you know, that could be, he's conjuring. That here. whole female anatomy thing yes, you were talking exactly. about earlier. <laughs> and he'd be confused because he was a teenager. The, the dude just loves spleens. You can't. There you go. That. that made it. That didn't make it any better. Oh, okay, sorry. Right. Okay, here the third one. I'm going to give you guys. I'm going to do. It, we're going to do it a little bit differently. Instead, Ooh. this time I'm going to play you the original song. Okay. And I want to see if you can tell me what song it is, and okay. the more challenging thing may be, I admit, uh -huh. mm. to uh, tell me who performed the version, the cover that we're most familiar with. Who performed mm. it? All okay. right. So here is okay. the original song. 
mm-hmm. that was ultimately covered in the 1980s. Okay. okay. I walk along the city streets you used to walk along with me. And every step I take recalls how much in love we used to be. Oh, how can I forget, forget you? Girl. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because always something there to remind there's me. Always, yes, yes that's right. I just had to go through the rest of the lyrics to get there. I, yes, that's exactly good. what I had to do. I had to sing it. Oh my god! I've got to say this. I, I, I like this version a lot. It's it's catchy. It's like I walk yeah. along the city yeah. streets you used to walk along. So uh, look, the, this version that we just played here was written in the 1960s by songwriting wow. team Burt Bacharach, who we just uh-huh. lost unfortunately, yeah. and Hal David. Oh. These are the guys who brought us "What's New Pussycat," "Raindrops," "Raindrops Keep yeah. Falling on My Head," and a number of other hits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it first it's kind of a Mato Velvet Room, isn't it? It's a little, <laughs> it's a little lounge singer. Yeah, yeah right. Or elevator yeah. music, kind of. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which I think is keeping with the, you know, sort of the certainly the back. What I think of as Burt Bacharach. Um, yeah. It was first. It first charted for Lou Johnson, whose version reached number forty nine on the Billboard Hot one hundred in the summer of nineteen sixty four. English singer Sadie Shaw had a number one hit in the UK with her version of oh. no, in November of that same year. But okay. it was this cover that I just played you by R. B. Greaves that first entered the top forty in the U.S., which reached wow. number twenty seven in February of nineteen seventy. Mm-hmm. Twenty years later, after it was composed, it was covered by this English new wave band. I think I know. Okay. John, do you have a guess? Nope. <laughs> I thought maybe you didn't. Is, nope. this, is this Naked Eyes? That's right! Yay! Well done. Good job, well done, Kat. Really good job, Thank Kat. Yes. I'm glad I'm on your team. Yeah. <laughs> See, I can reason it out, but I can't just pluck information from the air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they actually, the vocalist uh, Pete too. Byrne and keyboardist Rob Fisher first cut this song as one of their demos, which actually landed them a record deal with EMI. Byrne recorded the vocals at Abbey Road Studios at 1 a.m. after attending a party with Paul McCartney and others. He says it was the first time he ever recorded a vocal in one take. Wow. Uh, Their version entered Mm -hmm. the Billboard Hot 100 in March of 83 and peaked at number eight by that June. It was Mm -hmm. also a top 10 hit in Australia and Canada, although it only reached Mm -hmm. number 59 in their homeland, the U.K., Wow. All right. Naked mm-hmm. eyes. All right. Back yeah. to this. All right. So here, back to the way we're doing it here. Oh, good. Now I can contribute because we're going back to the way we did it before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, John, you said it before I did. You you got there. You you, you were there. I just said it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, you guys are a great team. I, I learned this, you know, last week when you uh, joined forces to disrupt the show pretty much for the entire hour. <laughs> All right, John, you got one? I do. I do. And, you know, I, you set this up and now I'm wondering how very different each of us are going to approach kind of like what we mean, what we mean by things we learned, right? Yeah, yours was very right. specific and it was very time sensitive and it, it was at a certain point in time. Yeah. And mine are really, I guess I would say that they are attitudes that I have, that I have learned from mm-hmm. music, from love songs that I have adopted that mm-hmm. when I look back, I'm like, yep, I remember that resonating with me. I don't know if I learned it from the song or if right. it aligned with my beliefs, mm-hmm but it fits and it's one that I'll stand by. So yeah, the first one that I selected yeah. is from 1988 from Paula Abdul's debut album, mm-hmm. Forever Your Girl. And it's oh. straight up. <laughs> it is straight up. Okay. I, yeah. And it's, I love straight up because what's happening in the song is, and uh-huh. again, I have to be careful not to sing it. 
straight up now tell me, is it going to be you and me forever or am I caught in a hit and run? <laughs> and, and there you go. See, Kat singing it. We'll sing it. But, but I think what I, it's, it's, it's the honesty in relationships that mm-hmm. I don't like playing the damn mm-hmm. games. I don't right. like, you know, oh, well, let's, let's, I'm going to neg you for a day and I won't call mm-hmm. you back for a week and I won't text you until, stop it. Mm-hmm. Just be honest because yeah, when you're young, yeah. that's fun to screw around and mess with people. But I learned as I got older, life is too short for that. If you actually care about someone and you actually do want to be yeah. serious about that, don't screw around. Don't let them slip. Don't, you know? Yeah. And so I always mm-hmm. appreciated that in people that I was close to. If you would just look, don't, yeah. don't mope. Don't give me the silent treatment. Like quit it. Just tell me what the problem is. Right? Yeah. I much more appreciate the direct <laughs> approach. Yeah. And uh, it, and whenever I hear that song, I'm like, similar to Sir, Sir Mix-A-Lot, which doesn't sound like he's necessarily in Baby Got Back. It's talking about what a, <laughs> how sensitive he is to the female experience, but straight up is not about, let's mm. get together for a hookup. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. before we do any of this, just right. tell me, mm-hmm. where do we stand? Be yeah. honest with me. Uh, and doesn't that kind of go hand in hand with what yeah. Lil just talked about yeah. too? I'm sure it does. Song. Of course. It, it so. Right. Absolutely. Right. Tell her about it. Right. Tell her about it. Will Will was dancing around telling her. He (laughs) felt like this song might push him over the edge and then he... He got to the precipice and stopped and didn't quite make yeah. it. Well, he was going through the trenches. He didn't stay on target. He didn't stay on target. Negative impact. It just impacted on the surface. <laughs> like, like shooting wall rats. It's That's easy. a different part of the movie. Yes, it is. Number four is Vanity's Strap on Robbie Baby. Which is also, mm. uh, this was for mm. sex, if you hadn't guessed by now. Again, look, it's right in the title. Yeah, oh, right. It's, it's not confusing. Okay, let, you know what? This is a good exercise. All right, Eat Me Alive, yeah. Sugar Walls. All right, I, I don't know. Yeah. Could be about a terrible house painter. You never know with that one. Just the title is yeah. not, mm-hmm. yeah. Not Darling Nikki, you might necessarily, not necessarily know, but it's written no. by Prince, so you can make certain assumptions. No, yes. you can't, right. Better than 50% mm-hmm. chance there's something in there inappropriate. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, speaking about Prince, uh, Prince, you know, who discovered Vanity, uh, but he didn't write this song, Strap on Robbie Baby. The offending <laughs> lyrics are, don't you provoke me. Come on, stroke me. Strap this thing tight. If you want to glide down my highway, it's open. Strap yourself in and ride. Well, it's, it's about automotive safety and wearing your seatbelt. <laughs> yeah, nice. that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking. Highways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Strapping and, and the byways. And, yeah. You're certain to strap in mm-hmm. at gunpoint. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, from Vanity's panned debut album, Wild Animal. And like I mentioned, it wasn't written by Prince. Instead, it was written by her then boyfriend, Robbie Bruce McCann. Uh, and although it was never released at a single, mm-hmm. as a single, it did get some minor airplay uh, on some oh. rock stations. I hadn't been familiar with it except for the fact that it appeared on this list. Yeah, I um, hadn't heard it. As for the song, uh, when Rolling Stone spoke with Vanity in 2015, who returned to using her birth name, Denise Matthews, and sadly she's since passed away. Mm. Uh, she asked her, They asked her about the song on its 30th anniversary. She said, I sing for Jesus now. Oh. This gives me pure joy, worship. I apologize profusely Ooh. to those I have offended deeply a million times over, end quote. Now I only strap on for Jesus. <laughs> strap on for Jesus. I can oh see God. that bumper sticker. <laughs> and maybe it's talking about seatbelts. 
I'm sure it is. Truck driver. Sure is. Drop on for Jesus. Drop on for Jesus. Oh my God. I just had an epiphany. Okay. Oh. Literally just this second. Oh, I love that. In the late 80s, yeah. I loved, my parents would take me to flea markets and we wanted the flea markets. And one mm-hmm. of the many things you could do at flea markets was you could you could buy mixtapes. People would make their own mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That's great. And I remembered this one vendor had mixtapes and the mm-hmm. cover of the tape was just a big 15. Yeah. Oh. And I remember asking, what is it? And he said, that's the list. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Oh, okay. That's oh the list. Kidding, he yeah. had curated a mixtape of the Filthy 15. Whoa. And I, I guess like he didn't want to explain it to this, you know, 14 year old, what the list was or anything. He's, he figured I'd know, but he's like, oh, that's all the songs on the list. I'm like, well, yeah, the list on the liner notes. What are you talking about? He was making a mixtape of just those. Yeah. The, the very songs they wanted people to not expose to, they were culminating together and selling <laughs> in my cute. flea market. Oh, Did you even I'd buy it, John? No. Well, why would I? I didn't even know what songs were. Like, really? What are you talking about? It's, you know, I'll, I'll buy the Pac-Man Fever album again. It's fine. Yeah. Yes. I know what's on there. You look, moms, what's masturbating? Oh uh, <laughs> Do you know what a he sugar was- wall is? <laughs> <laughs> he was 14. He knew at least oh. what one, what at least one of those was. Yeah, sure. I, was, I, was, I was fairly informed. Hey, I know it doesn't sound like it because our show sounds so damn good, but we don't have a big corporate sponsor or a giant podcast network behind us. No. In fact, this show is brought to you week after week with the generosity of folks just like you, listeners who give us a dollar or two or more every month to help us pay all the different bills associated with creating a wonderful show about the 1980s. To find out how you can support our show with a dollar or two or the many free ways to help our show, visit 1980snow.com support. Whatever you do, thank you so much. Uh, okay, so here's another one. This is uh, from uh, 1987, uh, and it's by Aerosmith. You know this song, John? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. it, 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 this was on Genesis' second album. Yeah, I know. Is that right? <laughs> Their self-titled second album? All the albums That's are right. self-titled? <laughs> right, yeah. Like Toto. Exactly. Um, <laughs> we know what kind of band they are. <laughs> what do you mean? What, what, oh, 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 yes. Pigeon, pigeonholed. They wanna wonder. Right. Today it would be considered scandalous, I think, because of, as folks wrestle with, you know, understanding gender as being on a spectrum and mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. folks fighting for rights for mm-hmm. trans people and gay people. Still to this day. Seriously, people? Mm-mm. Still having to do it. Yep. But even then, at the time the song was written, uh, there was a concern that it might be offensive. Oh, even then? Yes. I'm surprised. Wow. The song was written by a songwriter, Desmond Child, who, who was renowned for his work working with uh, Kiss and Bon Jovi. He told Celebrity Access that it was Steven Tyler that came up with the title, Dude Looks Like a Lady, but he turned it into cruising for the ladies because he was worried that it might be offensive to the gay community. Oh. Child okay. replied, quote, I'm gay. It's not offensive. It's great. And I convinced okay. them to go down that path, end quote. Wow. Okay. So as an out gay man, Child uh, thought it would be perfectly fine to uh, tell this true story or, or, or base the song on this true story that Steven Tyler had uh, relayed to him. I'm not being obtuse, I promise. Mm-hmm. What? Don't bring what's up, up Sting again. What's, <laughs> I, never, I have no question then. No, my question is, what? what is offensive about 
this song. Mm -hmm. This is an observation that this male has his appearance has female traits. Mm -hmm. That's what this is saying, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm, is it because you're calling attention to it? That's unwanted or I mean, I'm really not trying to be difficult to make a joke. Why is it Uh, offensive? And I'd have to guess what they were talking about, but I guess thinking about that, he was worried about offending the, Tyler was worried about offending the gay community. Uh The child says, you don't worry about it. I'm gay. I'm not offended. I Mm -hmm. guess that the concern was, is that gay men don't intend to look like women. They look mm-hmm. like men and they want to look like men, right? Oh, <laughs> so to suggest, oh. Uh-huh. okay. So, so, so the assertion is that this would have been targeted at or talking about just a gay man or folks would okay. have assumed I, maybe uh, that that was, I just pictured this as being like, you know, uh, transvestites, you know, people who dress up as another gender. You made it. So maybe that's, that's what was in my head. No, what? No, I'm saying if, look, if a dude is trying to look like a lady, that's like a compliment, like, well done. Like you were able to adopt those traits. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm not, it's not criticism of anyone. I didn't realize this would be aimed at someone just for being homosexual. Yeah. I, I always thought this literally meant someone attempting to look like a woman and therefore, gotcha. yep, you did it kind of and thing. Succeeding. So yeah, it turns out it's not yeah. even about that. So I think it's really yeah. that he was concerned. He just based on the lyrics, he would think people would assume he was singing about a, a, a man who was effeminate maybe. And mm-hmm. oh, therefore okay. I see suggesting therefore, he looked like a woman. Therefore, I'm judging he must yeah. be gay. Therefore, yes. whatever. Okay. Yeah. The, and, and, and then that must have some negative connotation, which is why I'm calling it out perhaps. Right. So. And screaming it at the top okay. of his lungs. And, and stuttering, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do. <laughs> do you have any of the other lyrics available? No, I, I don't. I was just looking at them. What, what They're got? interesting. It's kind of like, um, oh man, what's that movie? The Crying Game? It's Yeah. Okay. Kind of, yeah. kind of like that is, uh, is what's coming up for me. Where it's, um, I feel like you guys are making this really bad, like real worse. I'm jo- not- John saved himself, Cat. I think now you're. You, you have what? To look Why are you saying? We I just disagree, dug out of that Kat. hole. I disagree. See, I think uh, Will is make because it's bothering man Will. He's about calling himself a trans out. woman. The crying man features a trans woman. Okay. Is it okay? Or so not now, a transvestite? Is a it a trans, trans woman? It's a trans woman. woman. Yes. Is okay, that how it ended? I, I miss I missed the end of that movie. I didn't have that. <laughs> it was a love story. I, and then he I turned it off. I thought they were just all crying at the end oh, of yeah. the name. No? Oh, okay. Two man. people fell in love and he turned it off. Forgive me if I'm not remembering the movie correctly. I okay. might be misremembering. <laughs> okay. But there's a section in here. Um, oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Because she doesn't want to read it. I almost don't want to read them. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, wow, how did this get on the radio? And how did I not okay. notice all of this? What is, what is um, it? It's in there. Well, here's, here's one. Yeah. Here's one. So never judge a book by its cover yeah. or who you going to mm-hmm. love by your lover. Sure. Say in love, put me wise to her love in disguise. She had the body of a Venus. Imagine my surprise. Lord, imagine no. my surprise. No. No. like a lady. And, the, and before that. Backstage, we're having the time of our lives until somebody said, forgive me if I seem out of line. Then she whipped out a gun and tried to blow me away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it just all sounds like I, one gender in another gender's clothing. And uh-huh. the guy is going, hey, I think that, that dude looks like a lady. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't hear anything yeah. about homosexuality in there. No, no. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm right. suggesting it is. I think he was concerned okay. that folks might think that's what he was 
Okay. Uh, about okay. It. I okay. think I look, right. I'm just guessing. All right. Uh, but l- let me just tell you the true story. This is the real story that the song is actually based on. It's actually based on a real story that Steven Tyler conveyed to Desmond Child. Mm-hmm. Okay. That Tyler based on this gone, dude. Tyler, mm-hmm. Tyler, Steven Tyler had gone into a club and saw this gorgeous creature at the end of the bar with teased up platinum hair and black yep. nails mm-hmm. and porcelain skin and jewelry and a curvy waist. Then mm-hmm. this uh, gorgeous person turns around and it's Vince Neil of Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Tyler and his bandmates were like, my God, that dude looks like a lady. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. idea for the song was born. That's a fun uh, origin story. Yeah. I didn't want to edit anything this week, guys. Mm-hmm. Come on. Sorry. That's fine. I was just so researching. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I'm not. We're going to all go down together. We're going to all get canceled. Together. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, in spite of a child dismissing, dismissing it as inoffensive in 1987, its use in recent media has been questionable okay. by Fox News, for example, when reporting on Chelsea Manning, who is a trans woman. Okay, number three is Judas Priest's oh. Eat Me Alive. And this one was tagged for sex and violence. Okay. The offending mm-hmm. line is gut-wrenching frenzy that deranges every joint. I'm going to force you at gunpoint to eat me alive. Huh. Now, while I thought that could be about cannibalism, maybe forced cannibalism, <laughs> Tipper Gore said that uh, she thought it was about oral sex at well, gunpoint. At some point, you drop the gun, though. <laughs> oh, no, you have to eat them strategically. In, in <laughs> either case, you drop the gun eventually. Just yes. saying. <laughs> so. You have to force them to eat you strategically from the bottom up. <laughs> right. Start with my toes. Yes. <laughs> the bottom up, huh? That's right. Extremities first, and they spend a lot of time on the on the on the gluteus maximus. <laughs> it's gonna take a while, like John's noodles. Um, this is a track from the Certified Platinum Defenders of the Faith, which is the ninth studio album uh, from the English heavy metal band. Uh, according yep. to their guitarist KK Downing, the lyrics were intended to be tongue in cheek. Uh, saying, quote, for us, the song was a bit of fun, but I won't deny that we included it with full knowledge that it would get media attention. It's the 80s equivalent of get your clicks. <laughs> yeah. Yes. This is, yeah. 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 All right, look, here we go again. I'm going to flip the script on you, as the kids would say, and I'm going to play you the original song. Oh. Okay. See if you can okay. tell me the cover, the 1980s cover that was a big hit, mm-hmm. and also who performed it. Can I say it? Uh, I'm done Please. playing you any yeah. part of it. You what? I'm not going to play you any more of it. That would give it away. Oh, that's it. Okay. Well, right, right, right. John, do you have a guess? I know what it is. No, not to recognize it. It's Betty Davis eyes. That's right. Ah. <laughs> Isn't that a great version? I love that. That's yeah. That's fun. <laughs> it was being it's played very, under the big top. Do they have a calliope? What are they? Right, like a burlesque <laughs> yeah. kind of feel the, to it. Yeah. The quality might not be coming through through the board too mm-hmm. well, but Again, I think I might like that better than the nice. 80s version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I know who did it. Okay. All right. I have a name in my head. Okay. Is it Kim Carn? Cat, yes! Wow. Go, cat, go. <laughs> cat. I'm, yeah. I'm better at these than I am at the other ones. Although <laughs> mm. well, we're most familiar with Kim Carn's version from 1983, it was actually written by Donna Weiss and Jackie DeShannon in 1974 and recorded by Jackie DeShannon later that year. Uh, mm-hmm. Kim Carnes' version, however, was the number one song for five weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 
although it was mm-hmm. later interrupted for one week by Stars on 45 Medley. You guys remember those records? <gasps> Wait, what? When they do like these mashup so... of all these songs. Yeah, that's It started so in the 70s or 60s. It that started can before chart? the 80s. It, yeah. I thought it was a gimmick. I had no idea well, that could even chart. I didn't know that either. We could do a show on just these mashup records. I mean, Ooh, it's, let's do it's that. interesting yeah, yeah. how yeah. they came to be. Instead of this, um, just let's switch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so Stars on 45 Medley. But however, uh, Kim Carnes' song, not Stars on 45 Medley, was Billboard's biggest hit of the year. It was also a number one hit in 21 countries, peaking at number 10 in the UK and number two in Canada for 12 consecutive weeks. Mm-hmm. It won a Grammy for Song of the Year and Record of the Year and was ranked at number 12 on Billboard's list of top 100. This is just a lot of numbers. Yeah. Anyway, actress, let me tell you something more interesting. Actress Betty Davis, who was 73 yeah. years old at the time, wrote mm-hmm. letters to Carnes, Weiss, and to Shannon uh-huh. to thank them for making her, quote, part of modern times. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. I do believe that that might have been my first real awareness of her. Like, who is this Betty Davis? <laughs> mm-hmm. huh. What is it yeah. about her eyes? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think that was the first. Here is an easy one. A police song from 1980. <laughs> This is another song where I just kind of marvel at the fact that this was a hit on the radio. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, released in September of 1980 as the lead single from the third albums in Yada Mandata, it mm-hmm. reached number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was certified gold. As far as what's mm-hmm. controversial lyrics-wise of this song, I, I think I'd say pretty much all of them. Mm. Like the whole song. Hmm. Yeah, especially as you get into it, the... What the, it's raining and the bus stop and yeah. his car is warm and dry and is, the, is the, it? Yeah. Is it though? <laughs> I mean, the, the first thing? lyric is what it's a schoolgirl fantasy. This girl, you know, she's in love with her teacher. He's in love with her. Yeah. This girl is half his age. So even if he's just I get all that. eighteen, yes. I get all she's that. nine. So let's just work it up. But but <laughs> but is it the entire song? Him trying to resist the urge oh, gosh. to engage with this girl. Well, saying you're you're amazing. You know, I don't want you near me. Because, don't stand so close to me because I can't control myself. Look, he's a <laughs> he's a jerk, clearly, but right. he's not saying, "Come on over here, girl." He's saying, "Really, you shouldn't come near me. It's mm-hmm. not going to go well. I'm too attracted." Uh, no. Yes, I think that is what he's trying to say. Yes, mm-hmm. he's not. Um, aggressively pursuing anything but right. he also isn't he, he doesn't have utmost restraint obviously well clearly right <laughs> right yeah right he said right he's yeah. a teacher she is a student half his age yeah and yeah. they are being put in situations where he believes he cannot resist temptation that is not only illicit but illegal and he's going i don't think i can handle this don't stand so he, close to me he welcomed her into his car yes i don't think exactly. he should have done that right. he goes into his car Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then the next Mm -hmm. verse is about how there's accusations at the school. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. the final verse is it's no use for him to fight it. He starts to shake and cough, just like the old man from that book by Nabokov, which is Lolita, Mm -hmm. which in which that book is, you know, right. He consummates the relationship with this young Mm -hmm. girl. Mm -hmm. But if you needed any other, uh, you know, reason why this uh, Behavior. This song is about behavior that would land, uh, you know, uh, Gordon Sumner in uh, On to Catch a Predator today. Mm -hmm. In 1981, Sting explained, quote, I wanted to write a song about sexuality in the classroom. I'd done teaching practice at secondary schools and been through the business of having 15 year old girls fancying me and me really fancying them. Uh, How I kept my hands off them. I don't know. Oh, my God. 
There we go. <laughs> and once Stone autobiographical. And Sting continues <laughs> yeah, that once yeah. he found the key yeah. for the song, he said, "Quote: Out it came." Oh, cat. They were no longer. Now this is him summarizing the song: <laughs> the teacher, uh-huh. the open page, the virgin, the rape in the car, oh. getting the sack, oh. Nabokov, what? all that. He said that. After he found the key, the lyrics flowed out. And these are the things that he just said, just came right out. And he said that. Yeah. Now in 2001, though, he denied that the song was autobiographical. And obviously he's saying it's inspired by these experiences. He's not, he wants to make sure he wasn't saying what he sings about didn't actually happen. (laughs) Right. Literary references notwithstanding, I didn't read into that song that it actually was consummated, but rather the entire thing was about the. The resisting the urge. Yeah. Okay. And at okay. the time, but at the time, right. Also being a kid when you was on, it was fun to mm-hmm. sing along. You didn't think anything of it. I don't know. Being mm-hmm. 50 now and having, you know, <laughs> having had kids, uh-huh. it has I have a different perspective <laughs> about it. Well, now she's half my age. She's 26. So rock on. It's oh, okay. <laughs> Dude. I, I, no problem. <laughs> I got to end this before John gets his self. Oh no. I'm just. <laughs> Is there a new law I don't know about? Um, hey, right. hey, I'm going to give you two songs. You tell me which one is the cover. Girls Just Want to Have Fun by Cindy Lauper from 1983 or Time After Time by Cindy Lauper from 1984. Ooh. Um, mm. Mm. <laughs> what do you think, Kat? I, my gut, I don't actually know, but my gut is going towards Time After Time. Same. Okay. Same again, not based on any facts. Right. If you don't know, you that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the gut feeling is that girls just want to have fun. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't hear it being earlier, like in the yeah. late 70s or anything. Oh, I, I don't think you know, it's yeah. not melodic, it's not fight the power, it's not the it's it's purely the me generation. It's an 80s song, so even if it, if it is that one, mm-hmm. I feel like it happened in the 80s, not too far mm-hmm. behind it. But sure, I would yeah, say, yeah, yeah. time seen. after time, it sounds like the kind of ballad that mm-hmm. could easily be reconfigured into it. All right, one here is the correct answer. Oops. <laughs> and that's yeah. a guy singing it, right? It is, yeah. That does sound like this a song guy. was written and first recorded in 1979 by Robert Hazard. 79. Oh, yeah, so close to the 80s. Yep. That's a very different song with a male vocalist. Yes. Mm-hmm. When it's Cindy Lauper, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. female empowerment. Right. Yes. When it's right. a guy singing, it's almost like judgmental. Oh, yes. Interesting. Uh-huh. It's, it's like saying uh-huh. girls just want to have fun. Like that's all they want. Where Cindy Lauper was saying, yeah. you know, stop judging us. We're just having fun. It's right. a totally different song. I did not hear it ever being that way. But oh wow, that's weird. Yeah, that hit me when uh, in the song when he when he says the lyrics, "Mommy yeah. dear, you know you're still number one." Girls just want to have fun. So look, look, mom, you're of substance and of certain value. Mm-hmm. The fact that right. I'm leaving to hang out with these young chicks instead, right. Right. I'm hanging with these just tramps. You're still my mom. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I'm gonna go tell them to leave me alone. I'm a family man, but I'll be back. Right. Oh, um, but if they push me too far, yes. giggity. <laughs> uh, this uh, the single, of course, for was Lopper's breakout hit, reaching number two on the U.S. on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart and number two on the U.K. Singles Chart. Okay, mm-hmm. it's been covered either by a stu- as a studio recording or a live uh, performance by over thirty artists now. So, and the next one actually is "Save a Prayer," which Nick right. uh, Guillory had mentioned uh, oh, okay. in the yeah. comment you had earlier. That song, well, of course, it's by Durant. Oh, 
Yeah, I always said who did Can't Hurry Love. Oh, it's by Duran Duran, mm-hmm. um, of course. And it's, for me, so visceral. And um, I wasn't really even thinking about the details. Like in Simon's lyrics, you already know how I am with lyrics. Mm-hmm. And, and Simon's lyrics from that time are just frequently so obtuse. Right, yeah. <laughs> I never poet, yeah. really knew what, yeah, exactly. And I, half the time I didn't know what he was talking about. But, um, but this song was my first awareness of what one night stand meant. Mm. Okay. And, and I was pretty sure it was something I didn't want, <laughs> especially for multiple reasons. No, wait, 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 Kat. I have, uh-huh. I have to ask you, yeah. uh, this is, okay. this is not a dig or making you Google something. When you mm-hmm. learned what a one okay. night stand was great. Mm. And you mm-hmm. said it was something you didn't uh-huh. want. Is it something you didn't want because it was painted as a negative thing? Or is it something you didn't oh. want because you understood it and you didn't emotionally want that for yourself? I'm, I'm really happy you asked that question, John, mm-hmm. because I was also like pondering this because at, oh. I'm like, what? Like, why, why is this standing out for me? Mm-hmm. I was raised Roman Catholic. Okay. <laughs> I went to Catholic mm-hmm. school and the whole shebang. Yep. And shebang is one of the saints, John, just. Uh, oh, is it? Saint I didn't shebang. know that saint. <laughs> it's the. What is the patron saint of? I do know. One night stands. <laughs> one night stands. <laughs> oh, wait, a hole in the one night stand. Oh, please, Shebang, and give me a one night that, stand. That a, <laughs> that's a Ricky Martin oh, song. Please, right? oh, shebang. please, Shebang, Shebang, Mighty Shebang. Oh, all I want. Oh my God, where is this? Shebang, Shebang, oh, Shebang. Oh my God. Sorry. Back to you, Kat. Okay, it's okay. In the studio. It's a show already in progress. I think I'm <laughs> derailed. Now you know how Will feels. <laughs> <laughs> this is the John and Will show. We bonded when you weren't here. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Will's, you know, Kat's talking it's now. karma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my karma. So, um, so I was, I was programmed to believe that something like that was okay. not a good right. choice. All right. right? Definitely. It was programmed. Okay. So you understood but what it was clearly, but your, yes. the mores that yes. you had been taught did not mm-hmm. align with those. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not to derail this even, exactly. even further, but I know on the show, like uh-huh. we talked about, John and I give you stuff to Google. Mm-hmm. How did you find out what mm-hmm. a one night stand was in 1980? What's Saver prayer? 84, 85. <laughs> uh, the schoolyard, man. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just asking around. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much, yeah. I don't even know if I asked any. I don't know if I had to ask this one. I just know it was somehow part of my consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that's how I learned about anything, actually. (laughs) Like, seriously. Um, What was my... Picked it up on the street. (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) So, yeah, so I knew it was like my Jiminy Cricket. You know, my... Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, no, this is bad. You know, this isn't something you do. But at the same time, like, there was this contrast because this song is amazing. I, I loved it. It's swoon draping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the draping. This was another soft mounting. This was another drape. Oh man. That's another and, thing. Listen um, to the bonus episode from last week. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's why it's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like it had this thing going on and, um, but I did, I did know it was about connection and I did want that connection because it painted this passionate <laughs> thing about um, connection and, and also this song raised my awareness about the probable loss that comes along with loving someone mm. or being loved and not in a super concrete way, but just more of in a feeling way, I think because of the tone of the song. And the final song oh, on the Filthy 15, ladies. number 15, coming in at number 15, 
Cindy Lauper's Shebop. What? John. Oh, John doesn't know, Kat. Here's the lyrics. Yep. Hey, hey. Okay. I've been thinking of a yeah. new sensation. I'm picking mm-hmm. up good vibrations. Oop. Cool. Shebop, shebop. Do I want to go out with a lion's roar? Yeah. I want to go south and get me some more. It's the third okay. single from Lopper's debut album, She's So Unusual. It reached number three on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart in September of 1984. Mm-hmm. It's her third most successfully commercial single after Girls Just Want to Have Fun and Time After Time and was Lopper's mm-hmm. third consecutive top five on the Hot 100. So, John, you never heard about what this song is? Is that why you don't know about it? Well, that? I guess now listening to it as you describe it, it sounds like a little, it sounds like another round of self-satisfaction going on in this. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Which again, not illegal. It's totally okay to do. Yeah, and I think and I, had, I hope no idea at the time. Uh, uh, yeah, so yeah, so in 2014, Lopper explained that her producer called her to the studio, insisting she write a song about masturbation because no woman ever had. Insisting. Doesn't this insist look? you write a song about female masturbation? Uh, I don't know. If I were a woman. Some man called me, you got to get in here. I need you to write about <laughs> yes. masturbation because no one's ever done it. I'd be a little wary. Now, she obviously she had a good Creepy. relationship with the producer because she created, a, you know, her third most successful hit off this album, certainly. Yeah. Um, yeah. She agreed to, to, to write the song, but she asked her producer to go to the newsstand, you know, down on the street there, where mm-hmm. kids is where you used to have to buy magazines, uh, to yeah. buy a magazine that may serve as a inspiration, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. But she, uh, she didn't uh, care for... Pl- for Playboy and the like. And instead she purchased a copy of Blue Boy, which she thought was a woman's magazine. Although in fact, it's a publication for gay men. Oh. It, which she says, explains the, the lyric about, uh, well, I see him every night in tight blue jeans in the pages mm. of a Blue Boy magazine. It's literally. Okay. Literally. Uh-huh. There's other mm-hmm. lyrics in here that seem to be, to be consistent with the fact that this is about, you know, what I just told you it's about. I'm picking up good vibrations. <laughs> yes. uh, and, and also, I can't stop messing with the danger zone. There you go. <laughs> Apparently she wasn't singing about Kenny Loggins. Why danger zone? Metal under tension. Listen to her howl and roll. <laughs> Is danger zone a sequel to Shebop? Weird. <laughs> and that is all of the Filthy 15. Oh. Ah, boy. Yeah, I don't think I knew about Shebop till like in the last 10 or 15 mm. years, I want to say. Oh, for me, it's the last 10 or 15 minutes. I never thought about <laughs> it. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember when. For me, I, I would have, 10, 15 if months. I had purchased yep. that cassette from the flea market, I'd have been like, what? Why is this one on the tape? Were they just right. filling out the time on side two? Right. Why? <laughs> yeah, I, I would not have gotten it from that. I mean, it makes mm. sense. The lyric, you know, if you look into the lyrics, well, now, just, right. yes, yeah. they don't jump out like some of the others. Speaking of getting away with the sexy things and songs, uh, here is uh, another one for us. This song came out in 1983. Okay. I love this song. I mm-hmm. listen to this song all the time, but I believe it was quite a while before it occurred to me what exactly was being sung yeah. about. Sung about. I I wasn't tuned into that at all initially. <laughs> yeah, I think I was in my forties, yeah. honestly. <laughs> and no, as we've established, it's not because I'm naive or prudish. I was listening to as nasty as they want to be. I just. So I picked up on it sooner than you did. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I, you know, again, as DJing, 
when this song came out, you know, it was what I was like 12 years old DJing at uh, <laughs> school, school dances and stuff like that. I blasted this at Catholic school dances, you know, whenever we played it, none and the nuns would have me turn other stuff off, <laughs> but not this song. But see, it's, it's just euphemistic enough, right? Mm. It's, it's, Maybe. it's not that the, uh, the language is not quite as graphic as so many others. Remember every, Everybody wearing the big oversized t-shirts with giant Frankie says, relax, yep. and relax, don't one. do it. Yes. Those things. I yeah. Shirt. Yep. I always figured I just didn't get it. Yeah. The oh. opposite way that Will didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Right. So oh. I remember hearing Frankie goes to Hollywood and going, that sounds like, well, it must not be. It's on the radio. It must be something else. I convinced <laughs> myself that I was reading into it because wow. I had a filthy mind. Because well. otherwise it wouldn't be, they couldn't air it, right? Interesting. Right, yeah, I well, I think I did a similar thing too. It's like in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, I think it's about that. No, no, no. You know, very right. similar. Couldn't possibly be. Ignored be. it. Okay. Yeah, it yeah. turns out <laughs> what you said about the lyrics. Yeah. I don't know. I think the lyrics are, if you know, maybe you don't know the words. Now I'm going to play you that clip we just listened to. I do. Go ahead. I want you to see if you could tell me what he says in the latter part of the, of the, of the, First year. Okay. This part here. What is he saying there? That's so interesting. It's when you want to sock it to it. Is that what I heard? I'm sure that's. I morphed it in my head into something innocuous. (laughs) Turns out Holly Johnson of uh, Frankie Ghost Hollywood contends Uh that the sock it to it line is a misheard. The actual oh, lyric he says is when you it want means, to suck, chew it. And maybe because it's misheard, right? Or it's mm-hmm. easily misheard because it's kind of a mush of a <laughs> line there. Hmm. Now they wrote the song to be provocative. Holly Johnson says that he he was walking uh, down the street in you know in London, uh, I think, when he came up with the idea for it, and he started laughing, knowing that it was going to be controversial. Uh-huh. Uh, when the single and it was when the single was first released in November of 1983. It was slowly going up the charts until, of course, it was banned uh, by the BBC. Yeah. <laughs> this is how these guys pushed the envelope. Uh, ZTT Records was their record label. And the, the found, co-founder Paul Morley intentionally courted the scandal with promotion of Relax. He initiated a racy ad campaign for the single with a quarter page ad in the British music press, which featured images of Paul Rutherford in a sailor cap and a leather vest and Holly Johnson with a shaved head and rubber gloves. The oh images my. were accompanied by the phrase, all the nice boys love sea men, oh, which was, a, which was wow. a, a pun on the yeah. music hall song, all the nice girls love a sailor. They were no wonder. The ad declared Frankie <laughs> goes to Hollywood. Oh, here's more of it. The ad declared Frankie goes to Hollywood are coming, making uh-huh. Duran Duran lick the shit off their shoes. What the? 19 oh. inches that must be taken always. They were no wonder. So... I, <laughs> They knew what they were doing. <laughs> now, oh, now, now by the way, Paul, Paul Weatherford and Holly Johnson are both out gay men. They have been. You know, uh-huh. This time they were too. Mm-hmm. So they were, you know, leaning into these images and these songs that they knew would, uh, you know, be titillating and, and ultimately scandalous. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of the lyrics. So again, that you can't, argue, it's hard to argue that because folks, like John was saying, you know, socket to it. Folks were taking right. it as this idea. It was just about like, you know, uh, it's kind of a, what, a power-up song. You know, it's like, yes. go for that right. thing, you know. Right, define it. 
Right. What is sock it to it? There's two it's there you need to define. Sock it. What is that? Just apply the appropriate enthusiasm and it being the sporting endeavor you are currently engaged in. Who knows? Right. And it's every pep rally, by the way. So we were definitely going to sock it to it during the pep rallies in the gymnasium. Well, the the sporting endeavor, John, according to lyrics, uh, encouraged uh, the, I guess, the listener to shoot it in the right direction. Yes. Make yes. making it your intention. Got to uh-huh. hit me. Hit me. Yeah. Hit me with those laser beams. Laser beams. <laughs> so we know it might have been about something else. Mm. I think I, I have to add here, of course. Okay. I, didn't, I wasn't always listening to the lyrics, but there's something very notable about this song in what I will call a sort of a buildup climax of the music. That I think was more overt to me. Mm-hmm. Like that's what mm. uh, kind of helped me understand like, oh, I, I think that they're having the mirror, mm. <laughs> the, the music. Yes, the mirror, right. It builds up know. to him literally going, yeah. right. I mean, no, <laughs> I mean right. it's undeniable. In related <laughs> stories, Frankie goes to Hollywood also removed from Star Wars canon. <laughs> the... Now, during the time it was scandalous, they denied that it was about, uh, that it was, a, you know, the, they denied the sexual innuendo. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it wasn't about true. that. But in the 1985 oh. liner notes for Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, um, mm-hmm. bassist Marco Toole wrote, quote, everything I say is complete lies. Like when people ask you what Relax was about, when it first came out, we used to pretend it was about motivation and really it was about <laughs> shagging. It was about super soaker fights. Yeah. Shoot it the right direction. Hit me. So there you go. Was I right? I bet you I was right, right? There was, there was, look, now we played you just a few of the songs from these different episodes. If you want to hear more songs from these various episodes, track down the episodes in full. But I know I'm right about the cover, cover songs one, right? Because there were songs in there that I didn't know that were covers. And sometimes, like I mentioned with regard to uh, the Gloria Jones, there's always, uh, not uh, with Gloria Jones, the Tainted Love, rather. That's better than the, the remake, isn't it? Don't you think? Hey, we're back with brand new episodes in February, just a few weeks from now, right? We'll be well-rested and well-prepared to provide you with some, again, amazing uh, conversations with regard to 80s media and how it continues to affect our world today. Until then, uh, take care. I will talk to you next time on 1980s Now.